People of Note on Fine Music Radio is proudly brought to you each week at this time by Peter Turin Productions. This is Rodney Trudgeon welcoming you to another edition of People of Note here on Fine Music Radio. And I'm sure you've heard all about the Inlova Youth Choir, which was actually here in Cape Town last weekend performing at Artscape. And it's 13 years old now. Since its inception in 2009, the Inlova Youth Choir has become one of the world's most treasured groups. Their unique musical arrangements, powerhouse vocals, irresistibly combined with mesmerizing choreography and infectious energy have inspired millions across the globe. An 11-year journey has seen an after-school program for orphaned and vulnerable children started by the Enlovo Care Group. And it was the first choir in the history of either America's Got Talent or Britain's Got Talent to reach the final. It is a choir indeed. And their director, conductor, is the South African musician, conductor, composer, producer, Ralph Schmidt, who began his music career as a chorister in the Drakensberg Boys Choir. And then after completing his schooling at Kersney College, he commenced his music studies at the University of Pretoria, obtaining a BMUS degree specializing in jazz vocals. And then during the 2010 FIFA World Cup, Ralph worked with Shakira on the vocal arrangement of the official World Cup song, Waka Waka. So, Ralph, Ralph Schmidt, it's a great pleasure. It's an honor to have you here in the Fine Music Radio studios. Welcome. Thank you very much, Ronnie, and thanks for having me, and good evening to the listeners. Good evening, indeed. And actually, you seem to do a lot of traveling. How much time do you actually stay in Johannesburg? Yeah, that's, that's a good <laughs> question, because it's on the road the whole time. Um, but I think as a, as a working musician, and, and when, when we started this group, and when we went professional, the idea was to create opportunities for the choristers to earn a bit of an income. So, you know, when we're traveling, it's, it's, it's doing what we're meant to do and doing what we love. So I've got a wonderful wife who's keeping Who holds up the foot in Johannesburg. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I am away quite a lot, at least a third of the year. Okay, but now one of the things I'm interested in, because we will talk logistics briefly, how big is the choir, generally speaking? So the full group of choristers is about 30, mm-hmm. but we generally travel with 15. We had 15 uh, choristers performing at Artscape, um, and we find with the way we move and, and the intense choreography that, that any more than 15, the stage kind of starts getting a bit cluttered. Okay. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's, it's a, from a visual perspective, 15 are perfect. But of course, musically, I love doing arrangements that have got 16 parts. So we've got a bit of a problem there. <laughs> you would have, yes. <laughs> so there's always that, there's a healthy tension between myself and the choreographers. But the, the choreographers, are they members of the choir? Or what do they actually do? I just have to confess that I have not seen your choir, the Enlova Youth Choir, in action. So I'm naive. No, that's fine. So we've got uh, Sandra Richardson-Dyer. Uh, she's our, I call her the creative producer. She, she does all the costumes. She places them on the stage. She oversees the choreography. And at Endlova, we've got a whole system of, of reskilling choristers as they grow older and trying to appoint from within. Mm-hmm. So we, we, we avoid making appointments from outside our little village or outside people in the team. So our choreographer is a former chorister. Um, oh, right, my okay. assistant and our sound engineer is a former chorister. Our wardrobe manager is a former chorister. Um, so as they develop the skills while they're on the road and busy performing and touring, they then use those skills for a career after the choir. 
That's brilliant. So what is the general age of the choir? Because you say they used to be choristers. Can they not still continue? Or are they busy enough in these professions they've chosen within the choir? Yeah, so our, our official cutoff age is somewhere around the mid-20s, give or take. Okay. Um, we, we're not like other youth organizations that go close to 40. But uh, it depends on the situation. You know, mm-hmm. if the chorus is, it would be irresponsible of us to say to someone purely because they're 25, look, you've got to go now. Mm-hmm. And we in our hearts of hearts know that person's not skilled to survive within the, the open market or the job. You know, we, so, so we take it upon ourselves to ensure that they are ready when they do leave the choir or, or that we have lined up employment for them. Oh, good. And then what age do you start them? What's the youngest you can join the choir? The youngest we've we included into the choir is 11. <laughs> that is, young, yeah. Yeah. That is <laughs> it's very young. A, it's a vast age gap, but it's, it's actually wonderful to see how the mentorship of the older singers, you know, works with the younger guys. You know, you've got some little guys and, and, and the little guys very often don't even speak English. Um, so when I speak to them, I call one of the older guys say, hey, <laughs> to hey, translate. Make, make sure this guy, I mean, I speak a little bit of, I call it Zulungu, which is Mlungu Zulu, you know, white man Zulu. They used um, to call it Funigalore, yeah. I think, on the mines, remember? <laughs> exactly. I like the way you laugh. But they used to. Yeah, they laugh. did, yeah. yeah. And uh, so, so everyone kind of understands, you know, the choir always understands me when I speak Zulu. And then people come from outside our group, they hear this guy, they're like, what's he saying? Um, but, yeah, so we've got the really little ones. Um, and, and I find it takes, you know, with the standard of the choir now, it takes at least two years. From once a chorist has joined the choir to when they're really fully fledged and ready to perform. And how do you find the members? Do people come to you and say, I want to join your choir? Or do you have to go around recruiting and advertising? Well, one of the constraints we've placed on ourselves is that we're all from the small village of Mutse in Limpopo. Um, so we do not recruit from Cape Town or from Johannesburg or Durban or one of the major centers. Um, it's very important that all the singers are from our little village. And I think that's part of the charm of, of, of what the Ndlova Youth Choir is. And we, we're very careful to cherish that and to look after it. So when you're only selecting musicians from a small village, your, your talent pool is naturally a lot smaller. So mm. it, it's more around talent identification. And, oh, I heard this guy sing in church on Sunday. Someone will come and tell me, do you mind if I bring him for an audition? Or we'd go with, with the little kids, we, we actually just go to the schools and we work through the whole lot of them until we find someone that we like and and then if they're parents and they are keen to join the choir then they join us okay well let's have a music break now and um, what is your first piece of music i see we've got some bach here the famous st john passion yes it's the opening uh, piece of the st john's passion and i chose that because it was the first large work i sang as a chorist in the drakensberg boys choir and i remember performing with orchestra for the first time and and hearing sounds i'd i'd, I'd never heard before and i've always just had a very special uh, space in my heart for this piece of music
will lay as part of the opening chorus of the St. John Passion by Bach with the English Baroque soloists and Monteverdi Choir conducted by Sir John Elliot Gardner. The first choice of my guest on People of Note here on Fine Music Radio this week, Ralph Schmidt, whose claim to fame, and I'm sure there are many which we'll come <laughs> to, is conductor of the Enlovu Youth Choir, which is really doing so extraordinarily well. By the way, explain the significance of the name Enlovu. So Ndlovu means elephant, and we've got our roots in an extraordinary NGO out there in Limpopo, in Mutse, called the Ndlovu Care Group. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it was just natural that we took on the name of the NGO that formed part of the choir's founding, and we've maintained that connection throughout. We've got our roots there, and once after AGT, when the choir went truly professional, um, uh, it, it became a fully-fledged performing arts company. When you say AGT, you just throw it out like that, but you're talking about America's Got Talent. America's Got Talent, that's correct. Okay, now I'm coming back to that in a moment, because that was a big thing in all of your lives, wasn't it? And the British one as well. This care group, kids, Global Care Group, is that part of the choir as well? How does that work? So the Global Care Group is an incredible organization. They do everything from community support or community development to uh, medical research, health care, child care. Um, and the choir was formed as part of the OVC program of the Ndlovu Care Group, which stands for Orphans and Vulnerable Children. Okay. So our founding okay. members were many of the orphans and vulnerable children that are being cared for by the social workers of the Ndlovu uh, Care Group. And, and the idea was to establish this choir for these kids to to really experience a level of musical tuition that you can only really get in, 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 in suburbs and, and, and expensive private schools. Mm. And then as they grew older, I, I would say to them, what are you doing? And they said, I'm just chilling. And just chilling means either I've dropped out of school or my matric is not good enough to go to university. Or if it is good enough to go to university, I don't have the funds to go. Mm-hmm. And that's when we went professional and it just skyrocketed from there. Okay, but now, Ralph, what is your involvement? How did you become involved? Did you found the choir? I did find the choir. I was uh, working for the Ndlovu. A friend of mine's aunt actually asked me to help with the opening of an amphitheater in the Ndlovu care group. They were still a, towards the end of the AIDS denialism era. Oh, yes, yes. Where, so what they would do is they built this amphitheater where they would put on dramatic productions to increase awareness around HIV and AIDS. And I was working as a music producer in Johannesburg, and I went out there to put together a staff choir uh, for the opening of the theater. And after the staff choir, I looked at them and I said, we've got this beautiful theater. Why don't we start a youth choir? Um, and I got wonderful support from the Ndlovu Care Group. Um, I can't claim to have found it on my own. I think it's, a, it's a very much a team effort. But, uh, yeah, I was, I was fortunate to be in the right place at the right time. But then what was your background to be able to do that? Uh, it says here that you're a South African musician, conductor, composer, producer. You went to the Drakensberg Boys Choir School. So obviously music and singing has been part of your life for yeah, a long absolutely. time. Absolutely. I was, I was at, at Drakis for, for six years. Um, and then at Kersney, they've also got a very strong choir. And then after Kersney, I went back to the Drakensberg to study choral conducting under Christian Ashley Boerter, oh, yes. who's my mentor. Um, and and I, I wanted to study law until John Bertlow, the American uh, arranger, came to visit. And he said to me, when are you at your happiest, when you've just won an argument or when you're making music? And that kind of swung it. So... <laughs> <laughs> I went to go and study music. And uh, I've just been conducting choirs my whole life. So it's, it's, it's something that I love. I love also working with young people. 
I love composing, I love arranging, I love teaching, and I love performing. And I think a choir allows you to do all three of those disciplines. Of course it does. And yet it's different conducting a choir, isn't it, from conducting an orchestra. There's a certain sort of um, nuance, is the word, I suppose, for choral conducting, rather than the sharp-edged baton of orchestral conducting. Yeah, choral musicians still listen to the conductor. Orchestral musicians (laughs) just follow the (laughs) conductor. Oh, I see. (laughs) Someone's going to shout at you for that. (laughs) (laughs) But do you agree? Absolutely. When you watch a choral conductor, he's edging the the chorus on. He's embracing them almost physically and encouraging them more than the sort of more dictatorial orchestral conductor. I think also with choral music, there's more of a development aspect. Mm -hmm. So most choirs, in fact, all choirs um, in South Africa are are usually working with amateur singers. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, that is true. So, so, so you're nurturing them as you go. And not only are you nurturing them, but you're asking them to open their hearts and souls in performances. Um, and, and, and that requires a very special human connection. Whereas I think when you're conducting an orchestra, I know there are youth orchestras and amateur orchestras and stuff, but professional, you're working with professional musicians. And it's, it's more, I, I find it's more, almost more transactional. In that you would say, this is the interpretation I'd like, please do it like that, and this is how I expect this to sound there, and, 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 and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas with the choir, it's really, it, it's more like a family. Do you, just while we're talking about you and your background, do you play an instrument or is the voice your instrument? The voice is my instrument, but... <laughs> <laughs> Are you a tenor or baritone? or? I'm a lazy tenor. Ah, so, okay. <laughs> I'm officially a baritone. But oh, that's I, the lazy tenor. <laughs> yeah, that's the lazy tenor. Um, but uh, I can, you know, I, I, I play keys and okay. I, I do all okay. the, on, on all in Lobby's albums, I do all the arrangements and, and all the instrumentation I play myself. But I would, I would definitely not call myself a pianist. Okay. Oh, do you still sing? I mean, apart from working with the choir, do you still ever sing solo, for example? I've been trying to get gigs for years, but no one wants to book me. <laughs> oh, shame. Well, maybe somebody's listening who thinks, what a nice voice, and we'll put you on. Um, let's have another piece of music. So we're going to give Luxa Tana, which ah. is the choral setting of Edward Elgar's Nimrod from the Enigma Variations. And I chose that because that was the what well, was played on the organ for uh, our wedding when my wife walked into the church.
that, as you heard, a choral setting of Nimrod from the Enigma Variations by Sir Edward Algar. Given the words Lux Eterna, the choir of King's College, Cambridge, and the second choice of my guest on this week's edition of People of Note, Ralph Schmitz, the South African music conductor, composer and producer, more famously known as the conductor of the Enlovo Youth Choir, and we've been hearing about this choir's extraordinary success. And... Tell me now, how on earth did a choir from a small town outside Johannesburg end up in America's Got Talent? So we did a collaboration with Vota Kellerman. The flautist, yes. The flautist, on an a Isi Zulu arrangement I did of Ed Sheeran's Shape of You, which was the big hit at the time. And um, Vota heard this and he said, can I join? And I said, yeah, absolutely, come and join us. And then Vota said, we need to make a video. And I said, oh, don't be ridiculous. The music sounds <laughs> lovely. Why do we have to hassle with the video? But he was absolutely right because it's the video and, and uh, that, that, that captures everyone's attention. These days with music, you, you have to present the entire digital package. You can't mm-hmm. just record the music. And um, I learned that from Vota. Uh, we released the song. It's had over 40 million views around the world. Wow. Um, and that piqued the interest of AGT. Uh, and I got a Facebook message from them. And I, I said to my wife, I said, who in their right mind sends Facebook messages with something as serious as that? <laughs> you know, should I call back? And she said, well, you've got nothing to lose. And luckily, I did. We went through three times. The first time was in uh, March in 2019. They actually flew us to Los Angeles for two days. Um, we didn't know whether we were Arthur or Martha. Did <laughs> the audition, the yeah. Jet lag as and well. And we expected Simon Cowell to say, guys, it was lovely, but it's not quite for us. Um, and uh, progressed to being the first choir in the history of the competition to reach the finals. So, uh, you know, we went back again in April for another round and then for a six-week period between uh, August and September. Um, and that's really when it captured the the imagination of South Africa. Mm. Um, Isn't it interesting? From outside, you, you have to go outside before we <laughs> realize how great I've, you I've are. I've often wondered that, and I've spoken to a lot of other South African musicians who have made it internationally and in doing so made it locally. Mm. And and what is it about our South African psyche that we need to have international affirmation before you we, recognize before that Before we can appreciate or recognize what we have at home. And mm-hmm. also, I mean, we, I always say Ndlovu is just a representation of the art and, and, and the incredible talent that is in South Africa. Yeah. And, yeah, it was extraordinary. I remember arriving back at Oatambo International Airport and there was a policeman waiting outside the plane. And I thought, oh, my parking tickets are finally caught up with me. <laughs> and and uh, we got to our bags and the carousel walked out and there was a welcome the size of the spring box that they got when they returned. Good grief, really. Um, and, and it really just captured the hearts and, and minds of the of, of, of And I think it's, I think because South Africans, we, we, we're constantly doubting ourselves. We're constantly questioning the future of our country. And to have these incredible young people from a little village in Limpopo mm. at the Dolby Theater in Los Angeles, where they have the Oscars and the Grammys, belting out the words, bring me a higher love. I think that instantly connected South Africans to what was going on and gave them a profound sense of optimism for the future of South Africa. Because I don't know, you may well know of the Busgate Soweto String Project. Yes, I know uh, them very well. Uh, with Rosemary Nolden. And I remember Rosemary always saying South Africans were so apathetic about the whole thing. But the moment they started going to England and performing there with Sir John Elliott Gardner, all the rest of them, 
and making CDs, suddenly South Africans became interested. But how, my, I was going to say, how do these young children react to this? It must be quite dramatic to go from the rural streets of South Africa onto those stages where you said the academy wards are one. It, it must be extraordinary for them. It was, but a lot of people have commented about how confident they were and how self-assured they were in their performances. And I think anyone that's worked in the arts will know that only happens with rehearsals. Yes, and, true. And serious and intense rehearsals. Yeah. So, you know, that that was for me as the conductor and leader of the group to, you know, really prepare them as well as, you know, if you're prepared for any eventuality or, or prepared as well as you can be then, you know, the, it, it's quite easy to go out and do it. Mm-hmm. I think what was difficult and, and still is difficult is how do they go from from being unknown kids in this small little village in Limpopo to walking at the airports and people stopping for selfies? Yeah. Um, and, yeah. And, and how do we manage that psychologically? How do we manage that emotionally? And they are young kids. So there's been ups and downs. Mm-hmm. I think any group would experience ups and downs. But by and large, they, they, they've really been incredible. I and mean, are they well-behaved? They wouldn't <laughs> dare <laughs> not be well-behaved. No, not with you at the helm. <laughs> no, seriously, they, they really they are exceptional. I mean, they're young kids. Mm. Uh, no one is going to travel the world for three months of a year with young kids and not have a single incident. I mean, of we have course. incidents, but of they're few and far between, and they're not very serious. So... I've been amazed at how they've handled everything, but we do talk a lot. I, I speak to, to them a lot as a group. I think some of them roll their eyes when I call them. They're like, oh, here he goes again. <laughs> but even if they do, I don't mind that because the message needs to keep sinking in that, guys, you know, this what happened yesterday does not count for what's going to happen tomorrow. Mm-hmm. You start from scratch every time you perform. That is true. And what about the parents of these kids? Are they absolutely supportive? Yes, they are very supportive. Many of them don't have parents um, or have lost a parent or are, are staying with grandparents or mm-hmm. something like that. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I remember in the visa process uh, when we were applying to visas and getting passports and unabridged birth certificates, there were choristers that were finding out things about their families that they never knew, who members of their families were, who had passed away, who's still alive. And I suppose if you, if you, if you go out in, in rural communities, there's still very much a hangover of the migrant labor system. So it isn't like, you know, I also do the quiet Rodine in Johannesburg where, you, where, where, where by and large, you know, each child has got their parents. Yeah, and, what a and, contrast. And, and exactly. Mm. Um, whereas there it's grandparents. It's an entire community. When they say it takes a village to raise a child, it literally is a village raising yeah. a child. It just occurred to me now what a, a nightmare maybe it is. It must be to get passports and visas. I remember the lawyers, group. the American lawyers, because, I mean, they don't let you put your foot on that stage without every... <laughs> Every legal I document. I crust, but yeah. um, I remember the lawyers would say, oh, can you quickly get the parents to just sign this for us and fax it or email it back tomorrow morning? And you're like, Brad, you realize I once had a driver going out, I think it was to Empangeni, to get a signature of a dad because we needed both guardians or both parents to do. And he, he arrived, Empangeni from Limpopo is miles. I mean, it's yes, hundreds it's, of yeah. kilometers. <laughs> yes. And it's northern KwaZulu-Natal. And, and he got there and, and he phoned this father and the, the subscriber, you've dialed, it's not available. And he said to me, what must I do? I said, well, you're going to have to sit and wait at the petrol station until the father arrives. Says, I said, how long? I said, well, until he arrives. It may, may be days, it may be hours. <laughs> Fortunately, it was just a few hours. He got the signature, he came back, and then the lawyers asked us, can we get another signature? <laughs> no, also from Empangeni. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, it, it was those. So that was just one form. I mean, there was another one where 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 a child's mom was a security guard in Pretoria, and she worked night shift, and it was impossible to. So it, it's not like when you're working in an in a affluent area or an affluent school where you I'm can sure. send a paper home, or you can email it, the parents can scan their signatures onto it and email it back to you within minutes. So logist- and we've got an incredible team that does the logistics so, and social workers that we're assisting and Home Affairs was, was by and large fantastic. Oh, there you are. That's a nice positive spin on the whole Absolutely. thing. Now let's have another piece of music. I see now we have your choir. We're going to hear your choir now for the first time on this program. Yeah, it's a beautiful Isikosa prayer called Indodana. Oh 
There we are. That's the Indlovo Youth Choir in Dodana there. And uh, I'm talking to their conductor, Ralph Schmidt. I call you a South African musician, conductor, composer, and producer, Ralph. And it's great to be talking to you. And it's a feel-good program, I say, with this incredible success story of this particular choir. But um, one of the things is you seem to cover a whole lot of genres in what you write and arrange and compose. You've worked with a number of artists, national Youth Choirs of Great Britain, Sun L, musician, Tyler ICU, all these people, uh, and you have arranged for them. Karin Zoid, here locally. You seem to have a very eclectic approach to music and arranging and performing. Yeah, I love I love all types of music. You know, my, the, the poor algorithm that Apple or Spotify have developed to try and predict what they to give you next. <laughs> yes, <laughs> my, on my account, the poor thing doesn't know what to suggest. Um, but uh, you know, I remember a, a, a collaboration we did during the lockdown was with the American singer Pink. Yes, and uh, we did Million Dreams from The Greatest Showman, and and we filmed ourselves in, in on a farm in Limpopo, and she was on a farm in California, and we combined the skies. To make it look like we're together. <laughs> um, so it, 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 it's, it's very exciting. I, I love working with different musical teams. I love taking songs and, and reimagining them and just playing with them. You know, it, 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 when I arrange, I, I always take a song right down to its, its bare bones. And, and, and I, the, I call it the piano and vocal score. You know, mm-hmm. I just play the chords, don't even, not the rhythm, just the chords and the melody. And then how do we color it in from there um, and, and dress it up differently? Uh, so I, I, I absolutely love arranging. Um, and we've got our own studio there in Limpopo. Oh, have you? And that, that's kind in of... In this little village? In the village. We built our own recording studio. Also in lockdown, we built our own television studio <laughs> with a green screen that we could do uh, uh, shows around the world mm-hmm. um, on, on live stream. Uh, and I took, I took great, sorry, off the topic, but I took great pleasure in taking an axe the other day and breaking the green screen oh. to celebrate that lockdown is over and we're going to get our rehearsal venue back. Oh, there you are. Psychologically, that must have been Psych- important for everybody. It was <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> I hope I wasn't doing it too. Early. Anyway, getting back to arrangements. So I always look for, I always look for gaps. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if I think of higher love. Things look so bad everywhere. Think I got to take yeah in this whole world. What is fair? Why yeah? So just looking for those little gaps to fill in the vocals. In fact, I was very honoured the other night to have Lebo Morake in the audience of Lion King fame. Yes. Um, and, and I remember as a young boy uh, listening to <laughs> that famous opening. Instantly, yeah. instantly moved by South African indigenous vocal music. And of course, Lebo packaged it in a certain way and you go further back to Mambazo and even further back to groups before then, Solomon Linda and those guys are doing. But it really is and then also gospel music clap and tap there's so many forms of of indigenous vocal music and 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 trying to trying to incorporate elements of that within music that that people know um that 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 have got a global reach and in that way hopefully contributing in a small way to spreading the beauty of South African vocal music. Oh, well, there you go. Tell me a little bit about the World Cup, uh, the Waka Waka song, because what did you do there? Did you arrange it? Did you write it? So I had to do the uh, vocals for it, so the backing vocals. Um, we did the kickoff concert, which is the Orlando Stadium, and also worked on the final 
with Shakira. We worked really closely to the point that she said to me, you can call me Shaki. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I worked on that with her. It was a huge privilege to do that. And, and uh, it was actually the first time I was on a, on, a, on a massive stage and seeing how guys do things overseas and, mm-hmm. and, and the level of professionalism that they have. But has this given you personally an international profile as well away from the Global Youth Choir? To be entirely honest with you, I'm 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 not too concerned with it. Okay. Um, okay. Because if if the choir does well, and you know people who are interested to know who does the arrangements, then then you know that that's fine. I don't do the work with the choir for for personal. Okay. No. Fair yeah, enough. Good but, answer. But um, I mean, the the next piece we're going to listen to is a excerpt from the Harmonious Show at the Epcot Center in Walt Disney World in uh, Florida, uh, the U.S. Um, and they called me up and they said, you know, can you write the music for us? Um, and I said, well, I've actually got a choir. Um, so when it does happen, then I'll try and involve the choir. And I said, look, I can write it, but the choir's going to sing it. Um, and they obviously agreed. Yeah, and I don't really write for anybody else. I, I try and write exclusively for the choir and, you know, try and create a sound that is iconic and instantly recognizable. Gosh, they've got such a nice boss. It sounds as though you're very kind to them, gentle to them, but it also seems to me as though you can be quite firm. But we won't go there. You've got to get the results (laughs) and so on. Okay, so we're going to listen to this now. It's called Africa. Is that right? That's correct, yeah. Ndlovu Youth Choir themselves in a piece mm. called Africa. Used, as you said, uh, Ralph, at the Disneyland. or you Commissioned for the right. Epcot Center. And at the end of the, the day at Epcot Center, before they close, there's a huge fireworks display. 
Okay. Um, and of course, the Epcot Center has got the countries of, around the world that are represented there. And it's a, it's a, the, the whole production is called Harmonious, which is a, what they say, the celebration of global unity. And I was commissioned to write the music for Africa. Ralph Schmidt is my guest on People of Note this week, the conductor of the Englova Youth Choir, which we've been hearing about. One of the questions I've been meaning to ask you all the way through the program is, do the children read music? Do you teach them to read music at all? No, they don't read music. Uh, we, we started with music theory, grade one and grade two through Royal Schools. Oh, yes. yeah. Um, and <laughs> it was one of our projects that didn't go so well. But the music we do is all, I don't even score the music. Um, You know, we just work in the studio um, and it's all learned orally. Mm -hmm. Um, And I actually find with the way we work, in a sense, not being able to read is an advantage because they have to they have to understand the harmonies and internalize them when they hear it orally, Mm -hmm. which results in, in them very quickly being able to move onto stage and starting to 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 take on other elements of the production yeah, rather than yeah. being stuck on the score and this choreography aspect of your performances do they enjoy that hugely because obviously they need to be fit and energetic because i've heard that it's quite dramatic <laughs> that's very dramatic <laughs> but uh, no i think most of them do there's one or two that that aren't too fun i've got one girl she just sings beautifully she's the most she's the next angelique kidger there's gorgeous alto voice um i call her my rolls royce oh that's and, very and, nice and, and the other girls like always give the the soloist the soprano soloist i sell my lamborghinis and bugattis and ferraris and the rolls royce isn't very fond of dancing so she kind of plods a bit <laughs> <laughs> on the stage. but she's a remarkable singer do you dance as well as the conductor I, I do dance, but my wife says it looks as though I'm flattening grapes as I do. <laughs> Shame. <laughs> so I try, but uh, I, I, I'm, I'm on the keys when we, when we perform. So I'm, I'm on the side of the stage and conducting and leading the band. And, okay, and, yeah. so you don't have to leap about. Just talking about your wife, and we said earlier how often you are away. Is she involved in the choir in any way or has she got her own life? Yeah, she'd like to think she's got her own life, but she... <laughs> she's your wife, sir. No, I'm joking. She's, she's absolutely wonderful. Her name's Marguerite, and uh, uh, she's the uh, head of music at St. Peter's Girls Prep in Johannesburg, so she's oh, also a musician. Okay. Um, but the other day, the choir went to sing at the Archbishop Desmond Tutu Tribute in Atlanta. Um, and we were performing, we were moving into the Teatro at Monte Cassino. We had five sold-out shows there. And I couldn't go with to Atlanta. So Marguerite Are you talking about Atlanta? The USA. The USA, gosh. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So Marguerite took the choir to Atlanta. Um, and whilst I was moving into the theater in Johannesburg. So okay. she, she certainly helps out. She's absolute rock of support. And, uh, you know, while I'm running around on big stages around the world, she's making macaroni cheese for the kids. So <laughs> I, I recognize and appreciate that. <laughs> Just as a matter of interest, have any of the choir members ever been approached by agents trying to lure them into solo careers, take them away from you? Well, to be honest, we're actually actively pursuing solo careers for some of them or or looking for them to pursue it rather. Um, It's important that particularly the older guys, as they get into that mid-20s range, that they start thinking if, you know, there's two girls that said to me they want to become solo singers. So, you know, we've focused on them doing songwriting. We enrolled them into production course with Berklee School of Music in Massachusetts. Uh, They did that. 
Um, and yeah, they're writing music and, and, and teaming up with producers. And, and I always say, people say, what's your goal with the choir? It's to lose all of them. Because, oh, no, explain because, that. <laughs> because once I've lost them and they take on other careers or they take on a solo career as a singer, that means I've done my job. Yes, I see what you mean. Um, and it's, 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 my, it's my problem then to find another 11-year-old kid and give them 10 years in the choir and, and hopefully the same thing happens. Mm-hmm. Um, Is so it about 10 years that they stay in the choir? Well, it depends. I mean, they're naughty. It could be 10 months. But <laughs> um, if they're well-behaved and they toe the line and they <laughs> perform well, and they, as, as most of them do, um, it, it, it could be some of them have been there from the beginning. So what's next, just as we end off now, um, Ralph, what's next? We, you are here at Artscape. Where to now? What, what's your next big thing? So the next big thing is we're off to the United States again. on the 20th of October. So we're off there again and doing a few shows there. And to be entirely honest with you, I don't even know because our bookings manager runs the calendar and, <laughs> and I kind of operate on a three to four day schedule okay. before that. So I'm also working on a very, very exciting uh, production with my good friend Richard Koch, where we are uh, working with uh, Dizu Plikes. Uh, here in Cape Town, he runs the most incredible um, department of, of That's right, at UCT. music at That's UCT. Right. He's been a guest on this very program in oh, that wow. very chair. Wonderful. And I, <laughs> I love Dizu too, but I'm very, very excited to be working with Dizu and Richard. Okay. Now, what's your last piece? Carmen Burana. I mean, and this is certainly not your choir singing it. It's the London Philharmonic with Riccardo Muti and the opening chorus, O Fortuna. Apart from the fact that it's hugely popular, why have you chosen it? Well, firstly, because I've tried to remix it and failed. Um, but <laughs> you can't remix that. I, be- I challenge you. <laughs> I'll challenge you. When I, when I do, we'll debut it on five years. Yes, there you go. <laughs> challenge accepted. But no, I, I just love, I, as, as a chorist in the Dragons with Boys Choir, I used to sing it. And it was, it was great fun. And I, I find that opening chorus actually very African uh, in, oh. in a sense because, because of the circular form of it. It, it, you know, it obviously does have a start and an end, but it, it could very much be a very circular song, which in mo- the form of most indigenous South African music is circular. So mm-hmm. um, that's why I decided to close with it. Well, Ralph Schmidt has been my guest. And before we play that, Ralph, congratulations, all the best. It's been Thank great you. to chat to you, to absorb some of your incredible enthusiasm and excitement as well. So all strength to your arm. And um, I'll make sure I come to a performance one day and see how your choir jumps about. Thank you very much. Look forward to seeing you there. Thank you.
People of Note on Fine Music Radio was proudly brought to you by Peter Turin Productions. (laughs) 